Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. I'm in here with Brendan Schaub, and we're talking about Starbucks and Nike. <laughs> and not worrying about them jumping on board our shows. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll put this as my introductory statement about how weird the world is. Is like, we'll put our content up on TikTok and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, et cetera, and some of them pay us and some of them don't. And it's just kind of like whatever. Like You just accept that like you're, you're kind of giving some of your content away for free, but then... If a new social media company came to you and was like, Brendan, we want you to upload all your podcasts to our, our software, et cetera, you'd be like, okay, like you, you need to give me a, a lot of money for that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think about all the time, especially with like what Joe Rogan's dealing with, right? With all exactly, that stuff. Yeah. So it's a little bit with that. It's like, I look at, but I think it's easier for me because if Spotify took a stance and tried canceling them or like shut them down, mm. I would pull all my shit off Spotify. Mm. And then I think about it now, I'm like, oh, they're giving my shit for free. Right. Like, they don't, they don't care. You know, like, I'm giving it to them for free. I'm giving it to Apple for free. Yeah. So I know I have a lot of friends, especially in the comedy game, who they're on Patreon. Right. Which I think is owned by YouTube. So you're still playing to the man, even with that. But it's a subscription. Are you on Patreon? Do you? Yeah. Do you okay. Patreon.com slash no jumper. Oh, damn. We got yeah. naked girls on there. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Thing. Well, I'm going to subscribe. So yeah. that's cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yep. I'm in. You're is horny. It, is it $5? Nah, you uh, know, I just like checks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, I think, 10 Yeah. Oh, damn. All yeah. right. Oh, you rich, rich. Yeah. But um, yeah, so, I, you know, it is weird. Like, certain things, like, I'm like anti man and like, mm. I'm own all your shit. It's like, bitch, you're on YouTube. You're on Apple. You know, you're sporting Starbucks. Right. I post Nike shoes every day. I thought of. Uh, pulling our shit off spotify just to like you know say like fuck them removing the 70 episodes of rogan's show but then i'm like but that you know he's still in bed with them like he's not turning his back on them because if he were to say and i this is coming from somebody who doesn't even know him, i was gonna say do you know rogan at no all? but if he were to say spotify's done me dirty fuck them like they've completely like ruined this podcasting for me or whatever then that would seem like you know i mean but they're kind of fucked because he, everybody's mad at him they're not though like they're not though. So the, they're not. Yeah, I wish I could talk the more about it. The most liberal people on my fucking Twitter feed are mad as fuck at Spotify, and the most yeah, conservative people also are mad as fuck at Spotify. Yeah, but you think you think about the bitch you got to be to get on Twitter mm. and like give your opinion on Joe Rogan when you don't know him, for, mm. or for anything for that matter, if you yeah. don't know the guy, and then also with Spotify, just to go back to you know pulling the seventy episodes. 
the owner of Spotify is a Swedish dude. He's a man's man. He's also a businessman. So their their business went up $2 billion. You know, so they underpaid Joe Rogan. I mm-hmm. tell him this all the time. Bust his balls. I'm like, dude, you got hustled. You got underpaid. <laughs> so they're, they, they went up $2 billion in valuation as a business. So that guy's a businessman. And I always I put it like this. Spotify is on Rogan. Rogan mm-hmm. was making stupid money before he went to Spotify. Mm. He benefited Spotify. Joe didn't get bigger going to Spotify. Right. Spotify's on Rogan. And when it comes to the episodes, Joe has full creative control. Mm. So his team's going, all right, these, are, these ones are kind of dicey. Fuck it, let's pull them down. It's, Spotify's not pulling them down. You don't think? No. He just interviewed Majid Nawaz, and they didn't put that one out yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, I would assume Rogan wants it out. And that Spotify is the one who doesn't want it out because he probably said some shit that was controversial about COVID. I'd be surprised. Because that, that, their, their contract, I'd be surprised. Can't they just bleep out the fucking N-word and then just put those episodes back up or like, you know, trim the little jokes that they decided were offensive 10 years later? You could, but then also if you're Joe, do you really give a fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Paul, I would, I don't man. A There's a lot of integrity to be had in just having your whole catalog still up there. Like, when he left YouTube or left, you know, YouTube and all the podcast apps for Spotify, mm-hmm. I never would have imagined we would be in a place where uh, such a big chunk of his catalog has been removed. Do you go back and listen to those old ones? Fuck no. But, I, I mean, <laughs> it's nice to know that they're there, you know? like I'm with you. But at the same time, it's like... We're fighting this fight. We're like, you're trying to silence them. And, mm. and I, want, I want to be like, oh, do you go back and listen to the ones from 2014? Like, no. It's like, you're but fighting But I've been listening since 2014. So to me, it would be kind of redundant. But also like. It goes against what he stands for. I get mm. that and what all of us stand for and freedom of speech, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's like he wins, man. And, ever, all, and all this shit they're doing, he's, it's making him bigger. Did you ever have a podcast removed from YouTube? Uh, maybe for like some content stuff, like I'll play a, a music video or something like I don't own the music to, they might pull it right. down, but very rarely my there, team's on it. There's been a few for me over the years. I'm pretty sure we had our interview with uh, magic Don Juan removed for like promoting sex trafficking because he's a fucking pimp. Cause he okay. walks around with a big bejeweled cup. Oh, shit. I know what you're talking about. I'm yeah. pretty sure that got removed for s- promoting sex trafficking. And there's a, do you do you guys get a lot of like where they uh, demonetize you on oh, YouTube yeah, all the time? Yeah, yeah, I mean all the time. They're like, hey, this one. I'm like, for what? Right. They're like, oh, well, you cuss two minutes in. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And it turns man. out that if you start a podcast and you have Wiz Khalifa with a pound of weed sitting in front of him, that they will demonetize you. That's insane. Largely. That's insane. Right, because that's just like part of his body. Yeah, it's his thing, yeah. and it's also legal in most states for that's, God's yeah. sakes. Why is YouTube so much more hardcore about it now than they used to be when weed is clearly so much? But, I mean, it is still federally illegal, so that's why they can't really, like, fully just let it go, I guess. I get it, but then also they have the, what is it, YouTube Red, then you have Patreon, where I'm sure you could just release whatever the fuck you want on Patreon, sure. which that helps. But then with YouTube, it's also, like, put a disclaimer on mine. Right. Like, I'm not in the kids section, but you, if you want, put a disclaimer on, like, you know, you know. Uh, but that's basically language. what they're doing, because, like, but then they, like, they only show it to a small audience, and they don't, like, give you the, as much, they put much, a much smaller percentage of their potential ad inventory on your videos, like, when they limit you. The shadow, like, have you had some of your stuff shadow banned, where you know yeah. it should get, like, crazy views, yeah. and you're like, what's going on here? Oh, yeah. Like, I did this Rogan rant, and I'm like, oh, it's going to blow up. And then um, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, what's going on here? And then one of my boys like, yeah, my, my Rogan thing got taken down. I'm like, what? Do you think? Mm, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. So just talking about him in general, his, his name might be a four-letter word right now? Uh, I think it depends in the context. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, like a lot of it, during the height of COVID, I'm sure you get like, talked about it to, to a certain degree. Certain COVID stuff will trigger the... 
their right program where it will put a disclaimer on it or get you demonetized or get you taken down. You want to know my little Rogan story? I'd love to hear it. One of my fans was in an airport many years ago, maybe 2014, maybe 2015, something like that. They were in an airport and they were on acid. <laughs> and they go up to Joe Rogan and say, bro, there's this guy, Adam. You need to go on his podcast, No Jumper, or something. And, yeah. and, and Joe fucking follows me and DMs me on Twitter and just says that. That's hilarious. But then at the same time, I get hit up by somebody else who goes, bro, my friend was on acid and he ran up on Joe Rogan at the That's airport. That's hilarious. <laughs> and Joe was cool about it. He was, yeah, he followed me, but I never talked to him after that. You'd, you'd crush on there. You'd be a great guest on there. What, what direction do you think you should go? You think you should go like more science, more like public square important no. discourse? Or you think he should just be like, fuck it, I'm going to just kind of have more lighthearted conversations? He should do what he, no, do, do what he's doing. Do whatever the... And this is what's so crazy that he's like the... The face of all this, like he decided to start that show just because he's interested in stuff. Mm. So he has no one's telling him to have anybody on. He right. has people on that he wants to have on because he thinks they're interesting or they, you know, they're being silenced. He wants their perspective, whether he agrees with it or not. And that's why mainstream media is their ratings are fucking terrible because they have mm. an agenda. Joe doesn't. So for him, he just needs to keep doing whatever he wants to do. So keep having comics on, keep having, you know, Jordan Peterson on, who, Kevin Hart, do whatever you want to do. Just do that. Mm. Don't, and uh, he doesn't feel that way, but I'm saying don't feel like you have an obligation to make sure that you're putting people on that give this, you know, this kind of mm. information. It's, that's not your responsibility. No one, to, nobody, he, he didn't go, hey, I want to make sure I'm the leader of, you know, COVID and misinformation. He was just doing his thing. Right. It's just crazy how just doing your thing. Like, I'm just doing my thing. Like, I'm talking to whoever. All we are. That's and, all and, we're doing. But I'm allowed to just keep doing my thing because I'm not the most important podcaster in the world. You know, like once. But he, in five he, years, he, but in five years, right. when you get there, like, you know, what I'm saying you're crushing it. But so that's, five, a, that's the reason why we're go. having this conversation about Joe Rogan is because of the fact that he became the most important podcaster in the world, which I, I feel like to some extent he probably like wishes wasn't the case because it would be nice if there was some other guy who's bigger than him that could be taking all this bullshit so Correct. that he didn't necessarily have to be the one going through the fucking brick wall, you know, but it's just crazy how be, by becoming so popular, all of a sudden the standard for what he's doing could become so different than it is for everybody else. And it's also not fun when you do that. Like yeah. it's not fun anymore when it becomes a business and you feel like you have this obligation and give everybody the correct facts or yeah. that the media thinks the correct. Like I want to do a podcast or a show if people are like, hey, make sure you follow this outline. I'm like, get the f what? Right. Like I, I, like we had a uh, Michael Chandler on my show, Food Truck Diaries today. And he's like, oh, what do you want to do? I'm like, I have no agenda, dude. I'm mm. not a journalist. Like, if you want, what do you want to do? Into fishing? I'll talk about fucking fishing for an hour. Mm. Like, literally, whatever you want to do, man. I right. have no agenda here. But it, literally, whatever you, you create the show. So if you want to talk about shoes, I'm done to talk about shoes. Whatever you want to do, man. Kids, he's a dad. I'm a dad. Let's talk about your kid, man. It is I don't kind of, care. But it is weird, though, because sometimes, like, it's occurred to me, like, I've been doing a podcast with somebody, and I'll, we'll start talking about food. And I'll be like, we could talk about food for, like, the next half hour. No problem. Yeah. But if it's like, interesting. why would the fucking audience want to hear us talk about food necessarily? Now, if it's funny or if it like is kind of informative or entertaining, but sometimes it's like if I, when I'm interviewing somebody, it's like I'm trying to do the math problem in my head of like, what makes this guy interesting? Like, what can I get out of this person that maybe hasn't been done before? For sure. As long as it's not like a got you moment, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like where you're TMZ or, you know, a journalist or you're trying to break news. I don't get down with that shit. But mm. the reason you're successful and your show's good is because you're interested in that stuff. And 
same way. I've been doing it so long. I can feel when I'm like, we got to get out of this, man. Mm. Like you're carrying on about fucking, you know, corn nuts for the past 30 minutes. You probably have people watching this because this is like a very hip hop platform. I'm not saying that you're not hip hop, but you know, this is a very hip hop platform. I feel like there might be people watching this who don't even like, aren't really that cognizant of your podcast career so much as like, holy fuck, that's Brandon from the UFC. And now they're probably like rekindling their interest in you through this, just because I feel like our audience might be like, have like a whole different compartment Which of is people dope. than your shit. You Which know? is dope. Yeah, I, I just had to tell I've him that Joe Rogan has a podcast the other day. Oh, hell yeah. I love you, man. He didn't know. He goes, the motherfucker from Fear Factor? That's lit. <laughs> that is fucking lit. I find it so funny when I'd be doing shows with Joe and I... It was when he was living here in L.A., and they'd go, oh, what are you doing time? I'm like, I'm at the store, man. I'm doing a Rogan show. And like, Joe Rogan? The Fear Factor guy? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. You don't, you know, he's, he's been a comedian for 35 years. Like, that's his main gig is he's a stand-up comedian, man. Like, the or the UFC guy? The I'm UFC like, thing, the, po- the most popular podcast in the world thing. But I, I like that he lives in that bubble. I love Don't that. Don't you like dude. that? I fucking love that. Because <laughs> we're all like caught on the internet and shit. It's nice to know that there are people that aren't as wrapped up in it as us. Uh, that's the majority of the world, though. Like they mm. say, one out of ten people are on Twitter. When you walk down the yeah. street, one out of ten. I don't subscribe to it. I don't. I don't play the game. I don't. I don't have social media on my phone. Mm. I, I I post and ghost, as they call it. And I know a lot of people say they actually post and ghost. I'm telling you, I haven't seen a comment. I haven't seen a story you've done. Wait, so you download Instagram, post something, and then delete it? Uh-uh. What I do is I have someone that runs, it's uh, on their phone, mm-hmm. I'm like an assistant basically, and I just send it to them, I go, put this caption in. Mm-hmm. And then I'll check in like, yo, any interesting DMs, or any dope mentions, and he'll let me know. I'm like, all right, restory that. And if it's a good DM, like a uh, someone who's like going through something, I'm like, all right, say this to him, you know? It's me. But I don't subscribe to the game, mm. if that makes sense. Well, that's like probably how Joe Biden's answering emails or Donald Trump or whatever. It's like oh, he probably sure. sits back at his in his throne and just has some assistant saying, "So and so wants to talk to you about this. What do you think?" And you know, he says a sentence or two, and that gets transcribed into a response. Hundred percent. Imagine how fast you'd be going through emails like that. I'm that at a much lower level, and I'm, and I'm sure with Biden, he's getting like a million death threats, you know? Yeah. And they're like, dude, it's all good here, man. You got two people. He's falling asleep. Yeah. <sighs> no, wait, wait, real quick, real quick. We're going to get back to this dying kid. Um, yeah, but it, I, I don't subscribe to it. I think it, it's been like two and a half years, almost three years, I haven't fucked with it. Really? No, as a creative, I just, like my heroes didn't grow up on social media. Mm. And then... I have a great fan base and following and they're super supportive. But then, you know, just the way we're wired, where we, we gravitate towards the negativity. Mm. And I found it fucking up my like creative process, especially on stage and everything else I want to do in my merch. And I was like, oh, this isn't healthy, man. Because you start to have this chorus of hater voices in the back of your head. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you, not everybody should have an opinion. But in social media, like you're giving these dummies an opinion. And you're, you're giving them power and it's it's so silly to me mm. i i don't i don't subscribe to it you right. know and then people that that i know are that are on it all the time they're talking about haters and negativity like we're wired to protect ourselves so if you get a hundred positive comments there's one negative yeah. that negative is going to fuck your day up it's just yeah. the way we're wired it's the yeah. way we protect ourselves so it's like if you're going to play that game don't complain to me when you know when you're having a bad day or you know the the haters and stuff like that because 
you know, it's like you're playing dodgeball. You're, there's a chance you can get hit by a ball, man. Like, that's what you subscribe to. That, that's right. the game you're playing. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to play this game, but I have to. Right. Because in comedy, podcasting, you're, you're basically your own PR machine. Because, like, it, okay. if you to, had... to, In order to sell tickets or merch or whatever I'm pushing or advertising, I have to have social media. Right. Like, if you had 100 people outside your house with fucking flaming bats... And guns, yeah, and signs yep. that said you suck, yeah, that would be a very big cause for concern. Correct. But if you have a tweet that says, "Hey, so and so is trash," that has a hundred retweets, I mean, it's <laughs> essentially kind of the same thing. It's gonna hurt your feelings. One is way more worrisome. Yes. But in your brain, you're wired to think like a hundred people are hating on me right now. Actually, Correct. it's way more than that. But in in the context of this one tweet, and that can be kind of like an overwhelming thing. And like, I'll have people in my life, like send me like a tweet and be like, look, look at this person talking shit about you. It has a hundred retweets. <laughs> and I'll be like annoyed. Like, bro, why are you bringing I know, why like, are you doing this? You don't I have to tell that. me that. Like, I, I know. know that shit's I'm out there. I'm aware of it, man. Yeah, yeah. I probably already saw that one. Yes. But you know, in general, like you don't need to. Tell I've me also about gotten this. over that one. Now you've just rehashed it, dude. Exactly. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't. They're more worried than you. And you're kind of like, bro. Yeah, like, dude. I did. I already know I what's up. going on. I got on. thick skin, man. I've been in the game mm -hmm. a long ass time, man. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like, well, I mean, it's, it's interesting to me because when you were a fighter, was there like a big chunk of time in which it was all praise and glory and, and just like everybody just bigging you up. And then at one point that just turns into like a lot of hate and, and is being a podcaster slash comedian, is that kind of just like, like how would you compare that to the the, the tidal yeah, wave that you were on as a fighter? Yeah, I think as a fighter, it's like, you know, you're talking, what, like in the UFC at 2000, 2012-ish, 2000, 2011, I was an ultimate fighter. Social media wasn't huge, but mm, it was a thing. True. And I remember I started Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all that shit back then. And it, when you're, you know, I ripped off, I think, I don't know, six wins in a row. And then it's, it's tough for people to talk shit about you. But you'd mm -hmm. see stuff like, oh, you're beating cans. or like, oh, that's weird, dude. But it, it wasn't as what it is now where people give it so much, mm -hmm. so much power. Like now it's everything. And kids are committing suicide because it's bullshit. Like it's so toxic now. And so when you would lose, like you would see, I guess I would see like headlines as far as like, other like analysts and stuff talking shit, you know, I'm like, what's he going to do? Lose another one. He's going to get cut. And that'd put pressure on me. But I, that stuff, it's never, I've, I've always had the thickest skin, man. That's, I don't care about those opinions because they're not my friends. They don't know me. Mm. They're not doing shit with their lives. They're probably, you know, they're probably suffering from mental health or something like that. So they're lashing out, which I get. So when you lose a fight, I don't need you telling me that I fucked up. Trust me, I'm the most depressed <laughs> and hardest critic of myself you've ever seen. So right. that stuff never got to me. But in fighting, I think what helps me now with comedy and podcasting is the highs in fighting are the ultimate highs. Mm. There's nothing better when you knock a dude out at MGM Grand and you're getting a knockout bonus and you're not injured and you know, you're know you looking at the next fight and you're ranked in the top 10. Like That's such a rush. When you lose, it's the lowest of the fuck. There's no lower point in your life. Mm. It's the worst thing in the world. So... I, when you come from that, everything else, it's like, all right. Not you do a serious. podcast, it's like, you know. Like, oh, that was lit, but you're <laughs> you not go, like. You don't have to go to the hospital. <laughs> no, yeah, it's like, all right. Or if, you know, you do so many, like, that one wasn't great. It's like, I'll get it tomorrow. If, like, I have a set tonight at the Laugh Factory. It's like, if, if I try new jokes and eat shit, I can go across the way and go to the improv and try something else, and that's going to work. Right. Fighting, you, you lose a fight. You got six months off to think about that mm. shit, man. Try and reinvent the, 
reinvent the wheel and get your shit back together. Wondering if you're really yes. who you've been you're trying to be all yourself. these years. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. That's intense. And then also, you know, before I fought in the UFC, I had a cappuccino with the Buffalo Bills because as a kid, right. you know, my goal was get to the NFL. So dealing with, like, that heartbreak and playing Division One football, and, like, there's a lot of heartbreak, man. So, I've, like, my heart's pretty calloused. Would you want your kid to go through that, like, professional sports attempt, you know, process that you went through? Or, or would you rather them, knowing what you know now, would you rather them do something more stable? Um. I will say because I've been around like so many high level athletes and was a high level athlete myself, unless my kid's gifted, it's mm. like, Bubba, you're going to do something else with your life like this. You're not going to make it. I'll tell you that right now. But if he's gifted, let's run with it, man. Cause you have no idea who you're going to meet. You know, you're going to learn highs and lows and you're going to learn self-discipline and you, those carry over into your life, you know, further than sports. So I'm mm. down if they're athletic and they want to, you know, find a passion, it's going to keep them on the you know, correct path. I'm down for that. Right. But I'm not like that dad who's like, you know, sign my kid up for all this shit. And I'm like coaching him up 24 seven. Like if he wants to do it, like he has jujitsu tonight. Sometimes like dad, I don't want to go. I'm like, cool. Let's not go. Man. How old? Five. I have a five and two year old. How's the jujitsu when you're five? His is pretty lit. Really? Yeah. He'll do some things where, you know, he'll watch UFC. He's seen my fights back in the day and just organically he'll do certain stuff where i'm like holy shit man that was impressive wow yeah other he can't go with other five-year-olds he can only go with 10 and up if he goes with 10 year olds yep if he goes with 10 and under it's he's fedor in that bitch he's he's destroying kids <laughs> like some little russian kid came and he spiked him on his head i'm like and the coach is like dude we have to put him with older kids wow yeah so maybe he that might be his thing I why don't know. is that are you training them from an early age i think i just think he's been around it and then like i'll mm. walk in tonight or today after doing this show and when i walk in he wants to like wrestle and you know he's just a physical <laughs> kid he's just a physical dude that's funny as fuck. it's dope i remember when i started following the diaz brothers who you, are you on good terms with them now yeah we're good okay. we're straight all yeah right. no issues i just all. was watching a fucking clip old you guys clip, yelling at each old other. clip okay. though okay yeah that, and that was also like a miscommunication okay because you know i worked the the floyd mayweather connor fight for showtime i was the mma right expert quote unquote and so, you know, that whole thing, like, there was no UFC heads there. Mm. Like, it was all boxing. I didn't know anybody. And then the fight gets done, and I see Nate. And in my head, I'm like, oh, UFC alumni. You, thank God it's one of us. It's like seeing another comic at a party. Right. Like, you can't relate to anybody. You see a comic, I go, thank God, dude. What's up, man? Because yeah. we're talking about real shit. Okay. So then I saw Nate, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah, another familiar face. I'm like, what's up, dude? But I think because he had his issues with Connor, I wrote so hard for Connor, which was my job. Mm. He thought I was like super pro Connor and anti him. So there's this weird animosity, and you know that, and that's the way he grew up, right? Mm. Like he's gonna, he's gonna settle his, you know, arguments with his fist, yeah. which I appreciate, and I'm down for that. But it was just a it like caught me off guard. I'm like, whoa, what? Right. What the fuck are you talking about? You're down for that? Like if you had a problem with one of your friends these days, you guys might just have to go scrap it out. Um, I, you know, I don't want to beat anybody up, you know what I'm saying? But doesn't it seem kind of immature at this point in your life? Uh, as a dad, as a father yeah. of two at 38, yeah, yeah that's yeah. fucking weird. But at the same time, too, like if they're, you know, there's road rage or something like that, and you know, you feel some type of way, or you know, to me, if there's comics talking shit about my boys and you feel some type of way, it's like I would rather you try and beat me up or do something physically instead of just talking all this shit like there should be some repercussions but talking shit is like your opinion whereas fighting is just like figuring out who's better at fighting 
It depends, right? Because <laughs> like if it's road rage, right? And the yeah. guy gets out of the car and if it's like... Well, that's a situation yo, no, where you like, might like be no, in danger. No, no guns, dog? Like no right. guns? Like Sean Strickland, the UFC fighter, was in an altercation. He pulled over the guy and goes, I'm down to settle this, dude. No knives, no guns. And the guy pulled out a gun. He's like, fuck, and just kept going. Like <laughs> to me, amazing. that's gangster as shit. Wow. Yeah, Sean Strickland's gangster. So wow. I'm down for that because there should be repercussions. Like you want to talk all this shit? Mm. And then I see in person, keep that same energy. Not that I'm physically going to hurt you. But what we say on social media, you're not going to have that same energy in person because mm. we don't talk to each other the way we talk on Twitter. Right. You just not. We don't treat human beings like that. Right. But because you don't see the interaction on Twitter, you're able to say this awful shit and try and hurt people's feelings. And then because it's worldwide, it's global, you're going to get other people that have that same issue with you. And then they relate on that, on that hate. Yeah. You know what it's, I'm saying? It, so it, so it's, you get, it's these tribes. Mm. Where back in the day, like, say you're in a village, there's one hater. Right. And he's just talking shit to himself. And you're like, all right, whatever, dude. Well, now that dude has access to these other villages with haters. You might have 100 villages where 100 people love you, but now you have 100 haters. Right. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. It's weird to me, too, though, because it's like I could see a fan saying the worst thing ever, and I don't, I'm never, ever going to react to that in any way. But as soon as it's somebody who I'm associated with, who I consider to be my peer, business-wise, who I've really had something to do with, yes. et cetera. That's the situation I take it personal. where I might be tempted to wow out. Agree. Whatever that may be. But let me ask you this. Have you ever had somebody, one of your peers, somebody doing better than you hate on you, ever? Doing better than them? You know what I'm saying? Like, ever hate on you. I've never had a person in comedy, no, podcasting, no. ever, ever, who's doing better than me. It's certainly the rare case. Whatever you want, like, however you want to numerically like financially not doing better shows aren't better comedy is not better i've never had anybody who's more successful than me hate on me ever mm. ever it's always the, the people doing bad you know it's it's, it's their la them lashing out right you you probably didn't see that uh this today if you don't have social media but okay you know the baby the rapper yeah i love him so he's got a baby with this r&b girl named danny lay love her mm, one she's of my great. faves and yeah, she has so a, pretty she has a brother named brandon bills and okay. so, can you pull up uh, the clip by any any chance if you want to just bring up the No Jumper Instagram? And so he's got a baby with her. He and her have you know beefed publicly, and they've like got into it like Which on, is on such the a timeline, bummer, dude. saying I've horrible shit it. about I've each seen other. It. And so the, her younger brother Brandon Bills, he said basically, you know, you're you're a bitch, you're a pussy. When when, when you see me, let's fight. Come meet up with me to the baby. Trying Does to he fight look like his sister? Basically, like his his brother to a certain extent, sure. whatever. So. Last night, they see each other at a fucking bowling alley. Okay. And uh, the baby swings on him, and they end up... Oh, he, he ends up jumping him in the middle of a fucking Like with his boys? Alley, like right? with his boys, or is it just yeah, a baby? Yeah, it's definitely a jumping. Is that baby right there just... In the... Yeah, to the oh, left wow, with the, the big hoodie on. on. Oh, wow. <laughs> They're whooping his ass in the fucking bowling alley. My thing is, the baby... Your boys are whooping his ass. Yeah. Like, why would you roll up with your boys? He did throw the first punch, though. There's, but then your boys angle. all jump in, like, settle it, like, one-on-one, yeah. -on -one, man. Like, old-school shit. Yeah. And his boys are just holding down, whooping his ass. Like, that's kind of weak. <laughs> and now now it, now it's definitely over, right? Like, now Wait, it's, But now, I also want to know, why does he have a blunt in his mouth? Like, they were letting him smoke weed in the fucking bowling alley? Like, I need to go to that bowling alley. That has to be you, there. You can right, out yeah. of it, yeah. Well, that's not good, dude. Things have changed. That's bitch shit, though, right? You don't appreciate that? 
No, if but the baby would have walked up by himself mm. and told his boys like film this, and then there was the confrontation one on one, dude. Settle it that way and hope you guys are friends afterwards. Yeah. And nobody really gets hurt. Might have a black guy or something, but nobody actually gets hurt. I'm cool with that. It's kind of funny because it's, it's like two different worlds because I'm kind of looking at it from like a rapper perspective where I'm like, well, they didn't shoot him. So, oh, wow. This is Your all standards good. are different. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. like he didn't get he shot. He didn't kill him. He didn't get stabbed. He's still able to walk away. He got jumped. All right. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not the end of the world, but from like a, a, a fighter perspective, it's Bitch definitely shit. like weak. Yeah. Like, what are you oh, doing? You're weak, dude. Yeah. What are you doing, man? To me, in this day and age, I'm a fan of him, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's dope. Awesome, awesome artist. But then also, you know, down to fight somebody in a bowling alley. But the funniest well, part boys. is how they're all walking around like, oh, I know, like we got so them. slippery. Yeah, like we get, yeah, no, yeah. no, it's yeah, with no bowling bro. shoes. Yeah, they have yeah. to keep their feet on the fucking like they're ground. penguins on ice. I yeah. hope none of them had like the bowling shoes on. Yeah, nothing was least gangster than that video. Yeah, they're trying to whip his ass and can't get their footing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. But don't you feel, do you feel like, what would it do to your reputation if you beat the shit out of somebody in the back of the comedy store? I would Does that happen? I, no, never. It never happens, right? I, okay. it, dude, it, I haven't been in a fight in fucking, since the UFC. It, it, I mean, it, it would never come to that. I'd rather, you know, crush them with words. Like, because of course, that's the first thing they're going to think of. Mm. With me, I'm like, oh shit, you know, that's not what I do. It's not what I represent. Right. I would never do that. Nobody ever. would ever be able to talk about anything else. <laughs> you would be the guy who beat somebody up in the back of a comedy store forever. The comedy store would never let me perform again. That's a fact. Yeah. Man. They'd be like, you're out, dude. You ever seen anybody come close to blows there? No. The only time I ever thought I'd have to dust off the old UFC skills is when uh, Mark Marin was on stage. You know Mark Marin? He's a oh, beast. I would like to slap He's a the god- shit out of him, yeah. Yeah. So right, right now, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I feel you. I was a fan of him forever. Monster comics. I'm so- a fan of him, too, but he's just a... F- a bitch yeah with this COVID stuff and the Rogan stuff it's some soy boy stuff but great comic I respect him for he's such a great comic he's one of the Godfathers podcasts and great Mm. interviewer he's a monster so at the time it's probably four years ago he's on stage and there's hecklers Mm. and Mark can deal with hecklers and he lights these people up it's two pretty burly dudes from Australia and they start talking shit to him Mm. and Mark destroys them the room's going nuts and then Mark sits down, and he's rubbing, he goes, ah, oh, fuck, dude. Now I got to, after the show, my car, you know where my car's at? I got to go out there. Oh. And the guy keeps talking shit to him. And I'm looking at the comedy store security, and I'm like, oh, these guys aren't shit. Oh. If that guy goes on stage, I'm going to have to protect Mark. So I was just waiting there. And usually I do my set, and I get the fuck out, go home, because I get up early because of the kids. But I was like, I'm going to stay here and make sure Mark's good. And But that was the only time I'm like, all right, if these if that guy goes on stage, I'm going to show my loyalty to Mark in the comedy store and take care of these hecklers. Right. That was the only time I was like, I might have to fucking do some shit tonight, you know? That would have been epic. That would have been pretty cool. They but, shut up, though. That Mark, would be Mark weird given him. how things have gone with Mark Maron. I know, right? It would just seem like you probably weren't the most likely person to be I know. defending him. I know. You know, I was at the comedy store the other night, and me and him had a great convo, man. Right. He's, he's a good dude. You know, I don't, again, I don't take any of that stuff. Like, the Rogan stuff, it's like clickbait stuff, and obviously he's on the left, and that. it's like, all right, dude. Right. I don't think, you know, that, that represents Mark. You know, I don't fuck with it. That's what you want to do. I don't fuck with it at right. all, but whatever, man, do your thing. Yeah. I don't hate him or anything like that. I like, I like Marin. I mean, I'm even kind of, you know, I'm probably like more, you know, I'm vaccinated. I'm probably like more pro people taking COVID seriously than like a lot of people watching this. 
I just like have seen stuff from Mark Maron that I felt was like too personal to Joe, too insulting, too petty, too just bitchy. It's bitch just, shit. It just made me lose respect. I don't for subscribe him. to it. Yeah, me too. I, same with Howard Stern. I grew up the biggest Howard Stern fan mm. ever. And then now, like him sitting on his high tower and judging people and telling Rogan to do this, I'm like, bitch. You're lucky the mob didn't come from you. All the racist shit you have out there, Bro, like you're one to fucking. He had full blackface, dropping n bombs in nonstop, a, like weird black accent clips. It's nuts. Why are we not talking about that? And I, and again, I don't subscribe to that. Where it's like, True. well, this guy said this on the right, so let's go after this guy on the left for saying this. Like, well, those are bitch moves too. Right. Like that. That's that's bitch shit, man. That's not. That's not. We don't. We want everybody to be able to talk. We don't want to cancel anybody, left mm. or right, middle. I don't give a fuck. Right. So when you start going, well, let's cancel him because you guys are trying to do it. No, that's bitch moves, man. Mm. Just leave everybody alone. How about that? Yeah, it's just sad seeing people fall for like blatant disinformation campaign type it's shit. It's not you know? good. And then they think that you're insensitive because you're the one who's not offended. You're the worst. But that again, that's social media, dude. Mm. That's not real. Right. Like I'm on the ground. I'm in fucking Boise. I'm in Texas. Like they're not nobody. You bring up like what he did? Mm. What I don't give a what I don't give a fuck. Mm. It's only like these loud people on social media where it's it's the minority, man. I remember but we give so much power to it. The first time I was ever in a true social media shit storm, and I'm just, you know, in my fucking apartment, just like miserable, depressed for a couple of days, whatever, just like thinking that like my life is over. And then I just like go to Whole Foods and like, you know, go, go to some restaurant or some shit. And like not one person looks at me or acknowledges that. But in your head, you're on thinking, Twitter, yeah. I am on fire yes. right now. And it was just, that's like a weird moment where you realize, like, oh, this is a very different thing. Yes. And that, that and that's mm. also like, if I post out, oh, Adam's a piece of shit, that's gonna get <laughs> thirty retweets. Mm. If I go, oh, Adam's the nicest guy ever, that's get that gets one retweet. Right. Like that's the culture of social media. Right. I don't subscribe to it. You think that all these comedians are a bunch of fucking cowards for not defending Rogan when he's uh, under siege? Yes. Andrew Schultz said that, and I thought it was a good point. Do you know Schultz at all? Yeah. yeah he's the best. Yeah. I fucking love Schultz. Legend. Super legend, crushing it. Really close friend, one of the smartest dudes in the game. You know, one of the guys who speaks facts. Right, he doesn't care about the blowback. But, but I saw because you know he's kind of like hip hop adjacent. And he does the podcast with Charlemagne and everything. Yes. And I saw him defending Rogan, and then I saw multiple like rappers or, or black podcasters or whatever, basically acting like Andrew Schultz defending Rogan was him defending white people using the n-word no no one's defending white people using the n-word in right. any facet i just don't think you should be canceled for it right I, definitely not defend him using the n-word i don't fuck with it and, and i wish he didn't do that but it, it's also like if you knew the amount of people rogan has helped out and mm. the, uh, how the the greatness he's done for comedy like trust me this ain't the guy you should cancel there's some bad dudes out there yeah you're fucking with a not only the most powerful dude in the business be literally, you know, I've been in this business in a while. The best dude I know in the business. Like you're barking up the wrong tree, man. If he's and you're the, not going to win this if, fight. If he's the face of racism, that says like such good things about how much racism has has been you know, diminished. Agree. Yeah, Schultz the best. And when he, when he talks about other comics not sticking up for him, you know, I won't say names of the comics that don't, but it's like you really after all the shit Joe's done for you, and he spoke out when you're having your shit, you're not going to say anything. Mm. Okay. Because this will be over in two weeks, to Schultz's point. This will be over in two weeks. Right. Rogan's keep doing his thing. 
good luck when you want to promote whatever you got going on. But you know why, too, when you look at it. And like when you think about certain people and you're like, well, why aren't they saying something about you know Rogan? Why. And then you sit back and think for a second about their controversies and you're like, aha. Correct. <laughs> they don't want this, this, and this to become which today's I, which topic. Which I understand. You know? Which I understand. Yeah. And then a lot of it, too, yeah, they're protecting their own bottom dollar and their own ass. Mm. But I would imagine some of the people we're thinking of has reached out to Rogan personally. Mm. Like, hey, I just want you to know, man, like I would, ima- I would hope those guys have done that personally. Right. You'd hope. But during a time like that, someone saying something publicly could potentially mean a lot more than saying something privately. Just it's, because it's bitch moves, when, but that's that's the industry. When it we're comes in to now. this fucking social G, social justice like cancel culture shit, it's just so easy to say something privately and not take a stand, you know? Yeah, it's a bummer. You it breaks it your constantly. heart. Man. I, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's a bummer. Right. It'll break your heart. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I thought my phone was dead. I wasn't going to be able to access my questions. I'm going to be super sad. Oh, you, um, wrote, you wrote questions. I wrote a few things down. Yeah. Um, is Jake Paul right about Dana White? In regards to like fighter fight pay. pay? This is my take on fighter pay. So, you know, you run a business. I run a business, right? You have your own network. I have my own network. You have, you know, I have other businesses I'm involved in. I don't know their, their you know, their fucking... Overhead. I don't know. I know. Mm-hmm. I, I know they had their biggest year ever last year. Could they pay them more? 100%. They probably could. I don't know what that number is. And then also, like, it's not like I, I think one of the reasons, obviously, Jake Paul gets a ton of hate and all that stuff, but nobody's done more for fighter pay and, like, you know, and putting certain fighters in the spotlight and showing what somebody can do when they take their career in their own hands and Jake Paul. Mm. So I think every fighter, instead of hating on him, which you don't see a lot of fighters hating on him now, but before it was really bad. But mm. I think now, like, since he's gone that angle, so many fighters, and Jake has said this, behind closed doors, like, dude, thank you, man. Because mm. guys currently under contract can't speak like that because they'll be, you know, They'll be disciplined, man. Right. They will. Maybe they don't get the big fight they want, the big sponsor. Like, you'll definitely be disciplined. So I think Jake Paul's fighting the good fight. I used to be, dude, when, you know how people have chips on their shoulder? I used to have a fucking stack of Pringles against Dana White. Right. It's all good now. Okay. Thank God he made some of those choices he made that, you know, the reason I left the UFC, and I'm grateful for him now. Is it really all good, or are you just kind of, like, accepting, like, whatever? It's in the past. I'm just going to not care about it no anymore. it's all good You've, you have had conversations and shit no oh no but i've literally i think being a dad and just mm. where i'm at now you know like fucking andy dufresne from shawshank redemption i crawled through some shit and i'm in mexico man you know what i'm saying <laughs> so i look back i'm like oh it's all good right you know what i'm saying like he did what he thought was best for his business now i run a business i'm like i do what i think's best for my business i don't know the x's and o's of the ufc i don't could they pay guys more 100 percent. but if you want change like it it starts with the fighters man and when they were starting the fighters union the the guy who was in charge of it was the guy who started the baseball players union Mm. which is the best union the best deal any professional organization has so he was behind it and they asked me to be on the board of that i'm like yeah let's do it man so we're having meetings every week and then you realize that the guys who are making money in the UFC, they're not willing to die on this sword because mm. their pockets are fat. So if you can't get the change from the guys who actually can make change, you're not going to do it with the, the small-time guys. Right. So then I was like, oh, I'm out, man. Like, mm. if these guys aren't willing to sacrifice maybe a little money in their pockets to move the football down the field and improve the game, 
I'm out, man. Right. It's it, if they're gonna have to get their shit together. It's like wrangling cats. The top dudes need to be the ones putting the pressure on the UFC to actually improve pay, but that's never gonna happen because the dudes who are the top dudes are a not gonna say anything because they're doing so well, and b that group is constantly in flux. You know, like who is the most valuable fighter to Dana White? Like if you ask that question three years later, the answer is almost never going to be the same. Yep, but but that's what it's going to take. Uh, if you guys aren't willing to do that, I'm sure as fuck not can keep fighting this fight. If you don't want to win the fight, you're not willing to get dirty in this fight. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not down for it, man. Right. That's on you guys. But as far as Dana, like. You know, everyone's complain about fighters' pay, but we all use iPhones, right? Mm. Do you know how much they pay fucking those workers in China to make your iPhone? You don't complain about that. But they're invisible to us. Correct. The fighters are in front of yep, our eyes. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. So it's like pick and choose your battles. That's their thing. Yeah. I don't know the X's and O's of the UFC. But back in the day, I used to talk like I did. I don't. Right. I don't. When I look at the Jake Paul thing, I'm like... At first, I was like, maybe he actually could be the person to like really push this issue of fighter pay and really bring it to the mainstream. He could be. That was like two weeks ago, and now I already don't think anyone's talking about that. <laughs> and I, I don't think they, like, we got I, I don't really. Fish to fry. Dana, like, it just doesn't seem like it's big enough for him to even really consider that it would matter. That he doesn't much. have to. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. <clears throat> he doesn't have to do anything, you know. But I think Jake Paul is fighting the fight. You know, he's fighting the good fight, and I think fighters appreciate it. And I think. Whoever, whether he thought of it or his team, mm. it's definitely a good marketing play. I would assume that, like, you know, all the fighters were getting paid like 10 grand to fight. If Dana doubled that, it would mean the world to those fighters, and it would mean absolutely nothing Correct. to the UFC. Correct. But again, I, I don't know their overhead. I, I know they had their biggest yeah. profitable year last year, you know, so I would assume they could pay him more. Yeah. But I, I don't know. But dude. that's what you do as a business owner is you don't pay anyone more than you have to pay. And you have to. And at some point, they're going to really start banging on your door and asking you to pay them more. And, so, and you know, at some point, you're going to have to give a bit. I've had this conversation with, like, big-time execs at, at record labels where they're like, yes, we, we give them shitty deals because they come back and they try to fix the deal. And we end up having to amend the deal and give them a little bit more and a little bit more as they start to get more power in terms of the artist. Correct. But they, of course they want to start from the shistiest fucking place possible. What is this? You got white dip? Yeah, well, it's just nicotine patches. Oh. Tobacco just, free. Oh, and they just come in that case? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you want one? Fuck no. Like, no. I don't, I don't really? understand. It's not a part of my culture. I don't know anyone who does this. <laughs> The Nug, really? the Nug Boys had tr got me to try it with some fucking dip. They do like straight up dip dip. I tried it. I was sucking the sauce. I was like oh, no. swallowing can, it. See, this you can swallow and you only get sick. You're putting like four in there right now? Three. I go through a can a day. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, Shout out to Rogue. How's that feel? You like it? I dig it. Yeah, I love it. And it doesn't come from you like smoking cigarettes or anything? Uh -huh. This is just its own independent thing? Own independent thing because there was a study done. It started with good intention because there's a study done D Dak Shepard do you ever listen to armchair expert no so Dak Shepard was definitely not your audience but <laughs> Dak Shepard was talking about uh, he's had a lot of concussions and there was all this research done on nicotine how beneficial it is for the brain and there's like a hundred year study on people that smoke cigarettes they realize they don't suffer from CT and dementia uh -huh. they would die of lung cancer because they're fucking smoking cigarettes but their brains were like do you think this is going to help with this CTE? helps yeah it well, does well the research backs it up where it helps with like down the road with dementia stuff like that and then also helps like it like nicotine cerebrally fires you up so before i go on stage i do this before i do podcasts i do this i fucking love nicotine love it i love smoking cigarettes but yeah. I, I won't allow myself to go to the store 
and buy a pack. But like, but if, if someone if, has one, if you had one right now, I would be so happy to be smoking it with like you. Like if I had a Marlboro Red or some shit. And people see it when I'm interviewing people who smoke cigarettes, and oh. I'll be like, come on, come on, give me, give me. I wish I smoked, dude. That'd be so fun on this. It's a cool thing to bond over. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I, I don't want to get started on cigarettes because I, I do have an addictive personality. You think that? Oh, yeah. Caffeine, nicotine. I know. Work. Like, I was like thinking about just the sentence of Brandon got hooked on oxys because he got kicked in the face by Crow Cop. <laughs> I was just like, that is a crazy fucking sentence. That just. Yeah. Not many people could. Probably nobody else could say that. Yeah, I don't think so, yeah. man. Yeah, that, those oxys are a hell of a drug. Oxys are a hell of a drug. Hell of a drug. Oh, man. And then the doctor was like super cool. He's like, here's 300 of them. Like, oh. Yeah, aren't they only supposed to last two weeks? He's like, yeah, but do what you want. And I was like, okay. And I found myself going out with my boys. Instead of getting hammered, I pop one oxy, one bear, and it was a great oh, night. Yeah. I great remember night. the night that I had that realization because I had fucking just got a bunch of oxys off somebody back in the day, and I fucking took one. I go to the bar, I drink half a beer, and all of a sudden I'm just like flying. Like, what the fuck is happening to yeah. my body? This is crazy. Yeah, uh, that's what I realized. Like when they tell you don't drink on these things, they're not fucking around. No, they're not fucking around, but it is a party. Oh yeah, I was more of a Xanax guy. Oh really? See, I've never gotten a Xanax. Man, good time. I, my thing that I was doing for a while before I stopped is I would go out. Wait, are you sober now? Yeah. Well, I smoke weed, but that's it. Yeah, that doesn't count. But I would like go out, get drunk, find coke, do coke. Find Xanax, so do Xanax, sleep. stay up till like nine oh, in the wow. morning, just doing all three back and forth with girls, whatever. And man, I really needed to cut that. <laughs> By the time I cut it out, I really needed to cut it out. Like it was just getting to the point where like my weekends would out become this like four or five day <laughs> blur. What yeah. an experience though. Yeah, it was all right. You know what I've always wanted to try is scissor. Oh, it's the best. Ah, see, you shouldn't do that, bro. I was in Houston and Paul Wall's like a fan and he sent me a grill and he wanted to do all this stuff. And I was like, I think he's sober and I was like losing weight. And I wanted to text him like, yo, man, where would I get Because I was on tour in Houston. I want to be like, where would I get scissor at? But I was, I, felt, I was too nervous, so I didn't text him. Number one, everybody in Texas got some lean. Number two, Paul Wall definitely got some lean, even if he ain't drinking lean. But He knows somebody. I yeah, because like it, it's it's very hard to get and very expensive. But like Texas seems like just the place where everybody just has figured it out. I've always wanted to try it. It's a good time, but you gotta you gotta not drink that much. You gotta drink like a very minimal amount, and then when you talk to like real deal opiate addicts, like people who really pop oxy's or shoot heroin or on yeah. fentanyl or whatever, they're like, "That's what you're doing," because it's such like a, a weak opiate in comparison oh, to the shit that the real the junkies real are on. Yeah, that it's like the fact that rappers spend so much fucking money on it and stuff is kind of hilarious. It's more of like a hype thing. Yeah, like it became cool it's the in the image culture, of it, right? You mix it with fucking soda, and it looks cool. Yeah, and they write that's songs about it, and they have that cool ice, like crushed ice, and little little Wayne was always sipping on it and shit. Yeah. But yeah. you could like pop a perk, and it's like, all right, say less. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's gonna fit in your pocket, and it's gonna cost like literally like two percent of what you might spend on lean, and you don't look like an asshole. Yeah, it's just. Do you ever get into vaping? No, thank fucking god. <laughs> you. I, I was doing I was <laughs> you dude I was my boy David Lucas who opens for me he does a lot of vape I like nicotine so I was like let me try it man it tasted good and I found myself doing it just on the road I didn't want my kids to see me doing it mm. and then uh one night I was and I don't suffer from anxiety I was having awful anxiety I called my doctor 
He's like, have you done anything? Like, have you tried, have you added anything to your diet? And I'm like, no. And he's like, you're still doing the nicotine, uh, you know, the, the dip. And I go, yeah. And he goes, and nothing else. I go, ah, my boy, I'm, I'm using his vape, you know, a few times a, a night and during the day. And he's like, dude, it's that you're overdosing on nicotine. Mm. This is where all the anxiety is coming from. Wow. So I just stopped doing it. I was like, oh, I'm out. Really? Yeah. Also, look at 38. You look like a fuck boy doing it. Yeah. Like I look like a kid off Euphoria. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> you love that shit, huh? Euphoria? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just watching it. the new episode where you were talking oh, about it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I have it a new too. bit about it on it's stage. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's makes you want to go back to high school. Did you see the new episode? No. Oh my. Don't tell God. me. Don't tell me, dude. You're, you're gonna know immediately. That show's so well done. You're gonna text me immediately as soon as you see the first <laughs> scene because it is the most intense scene I've seen in a TV show. Like I feel bad in describing this as like one of my favorite shows I've ever seen because it's, it's so a, dark. I'm such a grown man too, and it's like this is such a weird like teenage TV show, even though it is super dark. It's like Saved by the Bell X rated. <laughs> it's like Saved by the Bell, you know, after dark. I like, was think, I keep thinking about it compared to Saved by the Bell because that was my shit. When that I was, was a our kid. shit. Yes. And that, like I was saying, like on firing the kid, I was saying to the the team there, I'm like, like this isn't good. Mm. Like you, like as much as as adults we enjoy it, and we've been through high school. You know, my son's five, so it's gonna be long over. But if my son was like 15 right now and he watched Euphoria, he'd be fucked, dude. Mm. Like he thinks like these kids are doing all these drugs and having fun and doing all this shit. Like this isn't good. Like I came yeah. up on Saved by the Bell. Like I think it, but but remember, fucking Jessica Spano was hooked on uh, caffeine pills. Yeah. Okay. I'm a kid wondering, but I wasn't a kid wondering like, oh, those look fun. Like I'd like to do that. No, I was like, man, I hope she's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But when you have Zendaya fucking doing heroin, and then you have all these rappers talking about all these pills and stuff, it's like these kids are sort of surrounded by a lot of people telling them about this shit and people that they look up to and successful people. So right. it's like. They push this narrative and then, you know, even vaping and all this shit. Like, it's not good, dude. But it's it's weird because it is painting a fairly full picture of the drug experience. Like, the scene that I'm talking to you about is, once you see it, it's the realest portrayal of, like, getting off drugs I've probably ever seen on TV. And that, so that's not being left out of the story. But I but mean, do you relate to it because you, you're a former, is it fair to call you, I don't want to call you something you're not, addict? Uh, I don't necessarily consider myself a former addict, but like I've known so many people that I've seen go through yes. the like hell of trying to get off pills and stuff yeah. that I guess I, I, I look at it more like what I've seen from other people. But there's a lot of Nazis out there who like American History X was their favorite movie. You know, they don't like pay attention to the end of the movie where like yeah. they figure out like, oh, hate is bad. They it's stop like, watching it halfway yeah. through. They're like, oh, they wear wife beaters and they have like cool tattoos. Yeah, like, this is pretty bad. Stop people. Yeah, <laughs> they this is awesome. people. They don't yeah. like necessarily have to think about it. like I don't think that like Kurt Cobain dying from doing heroin necessarily stopped a lot of his fans from probably doing heroin. Right now, everybody wants to be like him. Yeah. Yeah. Diet 27. Yeah, I, I don't like because I don't come from that drug culture and I, I don't know addicts. I've never been through that shit. Mm. So I watch, I'm like, this is so ridiculous. So that's why the fucking Oxy thing really took you by surprise, because you actually had no idea that this was going to be... None. Yeah. None. I basically got a, a Croatian nose job for free. Then I have to get my nose fixed, and then I'm popping these pills. Right. And my buddy's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, mm. you're... This is six months have gone by. You're still fucking popping Oxy? Mm. I'm like, dude, it's so fun. And they took the pills, man. You know? Yeah, I remember, like... 2015, 2016, I had a girlfriend who was just like a super normal girl. I don't know what the fuck she was doing with me. And 
I already at that point knew all about pills and knew how fucked up they were, et cetera. And she goes to the doctor and the doctor puts her on like a fucking bar of Xanax a day or Jesus some shit Christ, just man. because she was dealing with the fact that she was depressed, but she was depressed because she went to college her whole life or, you know, four or five years, however long and got out and realizes got a job is making like a hundred grand a year is realizing like, oh, I'm supposed to be happy and I'm actually miserable and I can't believe that I'm expected to do this with the rest of my life. So yes. she gets kind of depressed and they put her on a fucking bar a That's day. That's insane. And I'm like, bro, do you realize that these like retarded ass girls that I'm around that at parties <laughs> and stuff, they're taking like a bar a day and they're, they think that they're partying. Yes. This doctor wants you to take that much. To improve your life? To, to operate as a normal Nuts. human being. And does she listen to you? I don't know. No, no. You guys got rid of her pretty soon. Yeah, after, there yeah. you go. I, I could have told you how that ended, dude. Yeah, that the hell no. Never saw her again. Never um, saw her again. Dropping bars after of Xanax. that conversation. Yeah, it's like all right. One Xanax no. But yeah, I mean that, that's I don't know. It still kind of blows my mind. And they, when I was fifteen, they had me on fucking crazy antidepressants and shit. Did you need it though? You know, like some kids. I was pretty fucked up. Were you? I don't know if that was. You the figured your shit out now, but is it your? I'm sure your fans. Though, I don't know. Is your childhood chaos? Uh, I had chaotic elements. So not that bad, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was pretty fucked up, regardless of, like... Why, I, though? Uh, Why, though? I don't know. I was just, like, very violent and, like, you know... You had anger issues. Didn't want anything to do with, like, you know, going to school or doing well in school or... But maybe... But, see, to me, like, it's, I think we know now, like, there's been a lot of successful people who don't fuck with school. Like, yeah. for whatever reason, the structure of school and the way we we're brought up in America, like... Some people don't need that structure and they go on and do great things. So mm. I think we're realizing now, like, all right, some kids don't need to do this and they still fucking figure their stuff out. For you, like, you don't fuck with school. You're clearly a smart dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I think about it, my parents, if I, if I was born now, like, if I had the kind of kid that I was, my mind would be so much more open to like alternate styles of schooling yes. and education and that kind of thing. Thank For God. my parents, it was just very much like, you're not behaving, so you're fucked up. So we're gonna, you know, yell at you. But yeah, but I see. I don't blame you. Do you have a lot of resentment towards your parents because they're doing their best, right? From their perspective, they're like, "All right, this kid's has some angry issues. I guess send them to the doctor. Hope they they know best." And then you know, I empathize with them. They yes. were going through a lot, and I was not making it easy. Yes. Off. As you get older, you're like, "Oh, they they tried their best. Yeah. They, you know, maybe it wasn't the right path. They did their best." And it's like. It also made you who you are. You know what I'm saying? This, this is a weird one. You ever think about this? Is like you know you've made it to the point in your life where, you know, I'm gonna assume you're making a lot of money, mm -hmm. and you, I, I look back at my parents and I'm like, they never even got close to knowing. Like I live in fucking L.A. I grew up in New Hampshire. You yeah. know, like when I look back at my parents, I'm like, they had the most ordinary American experience ever. Nine to five. And somehow now I'm viewing them from this perspective of this person who's made this absurd amount of money for making YouTube videos. Correct. And I'm looking at my parents and my upbringing and I'm like, that's kind of amazing. God that bless I, like, them. got yes. out of that situation. Yeah, was a, you know, same. Yeah. Like now, I again, I assume same with you. Like I make more now in a month than my parents made in three years. Oh, yeah. Like not, not even close, you know? And so it's just a different perspective. But then also like my dad was dead broke and then it was like pursuit of happiness. And he worked his ass off, created this security email, sold his company. And I remember, you know, we grew up in this super small, modest house in this rural neighborhood and all my friends were black. And then my dad printed out three houses and he goes, which one do you guys like? And we, we, you know, we were kids. I was young, man, maybe eight. And I was like, that one's cool. And he's like, okay, cool. And I remember... 
maybe two weeks later, we pulled up to that house and he's like, you and your brother go pick a room. And then it went from being around all black people to all like real strict white people. Really? So it was like such a, such a difference. Wow. And I just remember like, what the fuck is happening? Like I didn't understand as a kid. Yeah. I remember my dad getting a call when they bought his company and he's, we, was, at the time he was fucking late 80s, early 90s. So there was a uh, wire on the phone. I remember jumping up and down and twirling, him getting caught in the in the phone. I just remember like, why the fuck is he so excited? And then two weeks later, we moved in this fucking new house. Uh-huh. I was like, holy shit, man. Right. And but I remember like all the like my dad leaving early in the morning with his briefcase and telling us like how important discipline is. And at the time, like, all right, whatever, dude. I'm just right. trying to get some fucking Legos. Yeah. But then he like it worked. It worked, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Being a kid and comprehending class and race is kind of baffling because you just have no frame of reference for it. You don't have kids, right? I have a one-year-old. One year lives with you? Yeah. Yeah. So you're, I mean, at one, they, they, you know, you're just hoping they don't shit their pants. But Mm -hmm. like with my five-year-old, he's starting to realize things now and he goes to a very good school Mm -hmm. and I struggle with... Like, you want your kid to learn the lessons you had as a kid, but the life that we have and the, the financial support that we have, they're not going to learn those lessons. They can't. Mm. Like, some of those lessons can only be taught through struggle financially or whatever it is. So I struggle with that. Like, yeah. some of his friends, like, I'm probably the poorest one in the school by far. Really? Yeah, and some of his friends are, I mean, dude, I won't mention names, but. Big, 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 big time. I'll see him on TV and be like, oh, that's blah, blah, blah's dad. Or, and I'm like, yep. And like, why, why is he on TV or why is she on TV? I'm like, you know, yeah. like she's a very famous person or, you know, stuff like that. So I struggle with that, you know, and I went to his friend's uh, five-year-old birthday party. I'm there with the dad and I'm probably the only one not from like that kind of line of work. And I look at the dad and I go, what the fuck are we doing, dude? <laughs> like, this is insane. Right. Like they have a chocolate fountain made out of the kid's fucking... Right. profile like this isn't normal there's like david blaine doing magic nobody's paying attention to right like when i was five my dad gave me a fucking cupcake dude from like my this ki- can't be yeah. good my, my kid's one year birthday i think my girl spent like 20 grand on the party which was like what like catering and like did you some feel some type ball- of way about balloon it balloon shit it's not gonna fuck but like it was kind of weird to like tell my mom that my mom was asking me like how much it costs oh really your mom asked that yeah because my mom like just kind of starts putting the pieces together in her head she's like there's a lot of shit here there's like a lot of employees like running food back and forth from the, the table and shit and that is the scary part is that your kid might grow up thinking that it's just the default to be rich and famous and fucking able to do all this crazy shit and then at some point they're gonna realize that their life experience was actually in the one percent of humans Hopefully they do, but then also that's where, even if my kid's not LeBron James, I hope they play some athletics because that's going to teach them, you know, like respect and failing and trying again, stuff like that. Mm. You know, I, I I don't I don't know I don't know the answer. You yeah. know, because most rich kids grow up they suck. You ever met a cool rich kid? They fucking suck, dude. If you had asked me all through high school and shit, I would have told you I hate rich kids. Of course, which does not seem like a sustainable opinion for me for the rest of my life. But it, it's, it's just not. They they, they never do shit. Man. But you don't join. You don't make the decision to grow up rich. No, it's it not has their nothing fault. To do with you. But the most the ones it, yeah. I knew as like a kid, yeah. they sucked, man. Like they Fuck never it. wanted more than they had. Everything I didn't have. Yeah. You know. Although what I'm when I look at it now too, I'm like, did I just resent them? Like were they all right? But I just hated them because I saw them as like 
having all the shit that I kind of wanted, but I, w- I knew I was going to have to work really hard slash break the law to get. Correct. Yeah, maybe. But then also, like, I'm, like growing up, like, the rich kid never was, like, the coolest one. Again, maybe resentment because I was obsessed with Jordan 5s. I remember this kid always had the fucking fresh Jordan 5s on. Mm. My head, I'm like, how the fuck is he getting these, man? Mm. Clearly his dad was buying them and... Maybe he was a good dude, but I never talked to him because he had new fives on all the fucking time. No, yeah, there was a kid that I can think of growing up who had, like, you know, new shoes, like, all the time. And it seemed like he never wore the same shirt more than once. Yeah, it's annoying. And he had, like, ten pairs of these Nike shorts. Like, that. I, I just noticed that from seeing him go to school every day that he had, like, ten different pairs in different colors. And these were, like, 40 bucks at Macy's or some shit. And I remember just, like thinking like what the fuck like how did he luck out in life enough to be able to have this many pairs of shorts see and now that's that's instagram in a nutshell because that was basically (laughs) an influencer back in the day right like you would think you're doing well in life and then that kid would come in whatever new jordans a new fit all the time like man fuck that dude Mm. now on instagram you know you post a new car you get or some dope watch or maybe your show gets bought out by who knows spotify for 100 million Mm. and now you know the the same type of vibes you had towards that kid because he has what you don't have now social media is that now Mm. those same kids who grew up hurt lash out at you Mm. like dude i'm just i just worked my ass off man what do you want me to do man (laughs) i worked my tail off to get here yeah put in a little bit of work yeah um so what what's your perspective on this whole operation that you're building right now and you said your offices are in calabasas Calabasas, yeah think boy studios yeah and you have three weekly podcasts uh, so I have, uh, the shop show, which formerly known as below the belt on showtime. Right. And I ended my contract, um, December 31st of last year. Um, but I owned all the shows. Okay. So my deal, I licensed to them. And then when the deal ended, I it would come with me. They always knew that. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I was just banking on myself. I just figured out, I wanted to hire my own team, do things my way. I hated like doing a show and then we'd send it to new york showtime would look it over make edits changes it didn't look the way i want to look so i just hired my own staff and told them i was leaving they were great about it. i'm still friends with everybody there mm. so then you know then i would do the food truck diaries um which i brought over now i do full time so yeah so really i you get so you got food truck diaries you got the the uh, fight night rewind show where I sit down with the fighter and we watch the three like most influential fights and we talk about like what's mm. going on with the fights. Right. So you have shop show, rewind, food truck. Then I do the uh, Calabasas fight campaign where we watch the major UFC pay per views. Right. And it's Chris D'Elia, Brian Callen, and then usually a special guest like we had Rob Derrick or Rampage or you know we have Matt Mitri on this weekend. We do that at least once a month. And that fighter and kid I do twice a week uh, with Brian Callen, Chappelle Lacey. Right. And then we do uh, King of the Sting, which is with Theo and Chris D'Elia as well. Theo Vaughn. That's a lot of fucking content. It is. But I was talking to your team because I always think I. Uh... Oh, you want my car keys? Oh, it's in the fanny Brent, Brent parked in the middle of the alley. I mean, your boy was like. <laughs> I was like, really? He's like, you're good. I have no idea what happened. Um, Take a photo of the park job so I can judge it. Yeah, please do. It's pretty legit. Um, <laughs> we'll edit it into the park. Yeah, it's just a nightmare. <laughs> just blocking everybody. No, but I thought I was doing, and I, I'm always like, God, I work too much. And then you remember, so I do that Monday through Thursday, and usually twice a month I'm on the road touring, doing comedy. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm doing sets at night. But you do more content than me, dog. I try like to. Your put team out- was telling me, I'm like, what <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a bunch of weekly podcasts. I'm only on one of them, but then I try to crank out like four or five interviews a week. 
but sometimes I'll do 10 in a week just to be like, all right, then I don't have to do shit next yeah, week. Yeah, you backlog them. I love it when I can do it, but I mean. It's tough. Depending yeah. who's it. Like today, before I came here, I did two food trucks just because it's Super Bowl week. So some of the fighters in town, mm. they, they hit me up like coming through, man. I'm like, let's do it. And so those have come out in, you know, March and April. So, right. yeah, so I don't have to do it for two months, which I enjoy. Yeah. But I also have the other podcast where we interview girls and then we fuck them. Me and my girl do that. Wow. Yeah. You win, man. Onlyplugtalk.com. Brennan Schaub fans. Yeah, you win, man. It's you a, win. I don't have that show. I Dude, I you should try it. My demo's all dudes. <laughs> Steal our model. <laughs> my demo's all dudes. 18 yeah. to 36, bro. That's why this works for me as well. As my, de- my demo's all dudes who oh, want to see it. me and my girl pipe porn stars. Wow. Yeah, you're crushing. I know. I, I just interview men who can probably beat me up and we eat food, man. You never so thought you about win. doing porn? Nah, man. Life's too good. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, the people ask me that, like, oh, Yo, you wouldn't be interested in doing like a thriller fight or, you uh, know, like, and like, oh, no, no, no. It, listen. If you see me fighting fucking Mario Lopez or Nick Lachey or oh some shit, God. life isn't well. I'm not selling tickets on the road. My podcasts have bombed. Like right. successful people, the people are doing well, aren't doing that shit. Mm. Like you don't want to see. If I'm fighting Lamar Odom, I probably got back on OxyContin. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like it's not good. Yeah, that's not a great sign. For no, sure. dude. Like if you if yeah. you get a news here, like what the fuck? Shops fighting Lamar Odom in Atlantic City next week? Ah, oh, man, you should reach out. Okay, yeah. man, you all right? You know, mm. like it's not a good sign, dude. Okay. That means everything I've done has failed. But okay, this is one question I had about uh, doing comedy, though, is when you go on the road doing comedy. Yeah. How does that feel in terms of your reach in comparison to the podcast? Because like you might do a podcast and get like, I don't know, like half a million or some shit on uh-huh. YouTube, probably with all the podcast apps. I'm sure it's like a million plus. Uh huh. Versus, you know, you go do comedy and you're in, you're in front of however many, like how many people would you play, play for on average? Um, you're probably between fourteen to sixteen hundred a week, depending on the market, and then some markets two thousand to three thousand. So what keeps in a, you in a weekend? What keeps you motivated? Because I always am interested in that because I never did comedy, and it just seems like it's smaller than doing YouTube content. Like, uh, I, yes I, and no, because comedy, you know. A, when you're on the road, it's a home game, right? Like you're playing to your audience. Mm. So that's why I like to do so many sets in town because, you know, if I go up tonight at the Laugh Factory, yeah, my name might be on the marquee, but it's along with 10 other people. So that's an away game for me. So I can see how the material is working for everybody. On the road, it's like there's only one way you get good at stand-up, and that's by doing tons and tons of hours, just like anything. Like you're a black belt in podcasting, dude. You're doing 10,000 hours. You're a master at it, right? I can't deny it. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be here if you weren't. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to do a fuckboys podcast where I have to basically, it's my show. Mm. There's nothing worse. Mm. But, um, yeah, you're great, man. I've been a fan Appreciate for a while. Yeah. Thank you. So with, with comedy, it's like there's only one way to try it out in front of a live audience. Mm. You know, and it's like certain markets, certain things do great. Others don't. And so you figure it out. So when you release a special, it, it's going to connect with everybody. It's mm. the only way to do it, man. Right. Yeah, and it takes years and years and hours and hours and hours. It's like, it's dope, man. Right. It's fucking cool, man. You're really in love with it? Oh, yeah. This is what I was meant to do. Right. Yes. Everything has led me to this. You feel like you're going to be doing this when you're like 60? Yeah. Yep, yep. But I want to get to a certain level, like like the Joe Rogans of the world or Dave Chappelle's, where I can do one show, like a giant theater arena, and Mm. then fly back home private that night. Right. So I'm not on the road Thursday through Sunday. Oh, that's how Rogan does it? Yeah. That gangster sense. shit but there's so like he's playing like his his, his show in uh fort uh, wayne texas sold out in like two minutes it's right. like seventeen thousand people so he'll play that one show and then go back home that night and, like the amount of money he's making off that one show obviously trumps anything i've ever done but 
it's financially makes sense to leave for that one night and you're back you're sleeping in your bed dude. and the, the private jet doesn't even scratch the the amount of money you could probably make off that so, no and I mean, the venues are paying for that most of that stuff anyways if you're if you're that big of a mover what an existence it's dope that's crazy it's dope and also like how many because i don't do you like do you have any things you do where you meet the fans like face to face like direct sometimes Especially, like, we, we had a store on Melrose. What that, was the store called? Uh, on some shit. But we shut it down two years ago. And then, like, during that, like, many year period that I was there, it was like I was meeting my fans constantly. Because I was just always there. It's and then lot. for the last two years, I've been pretty much in here. And I meet people here and there, like, stop in public at fucking 7-Eleven sure. and shit. But yeah. so much less. And I remember, like, after after the pandemic hit, it was maybe like six or eight months later, like I took our BMX team to San Francisco and we just go to a skate park and I walk into the skate park and fucking kids are running up to me to take photos and stuff. And I legitimately had completely forgotten that that was going to happen. And it felt like brand new again. And it felt so weird because I had gotten so jaded to it for so long. Yeah, I think I don't know your relationship with your fans. I assume it's similar, but. I love like, very going, abusive. Very abusive. Yeah, They're mean. Usually, I'll just sock them in the face if they ask me for a photo. Yeah. <laughs> no, I. It, it's dope to see like you're doing something right. Like when you get that one-on-one uh, engagement with a fan, it's to me it's dope. It means oh, I'm doing something right. Yeah. Like I do those tough mutters. We like we call it the thick mutter. I watched one. Yeah. They're I dope. One of your videos. Yeah, about, yeah. And like all these like 400 people signed up to do it with me. I, I figured 20 people would sign up. It's tough, man. It's 15k. Right. So it's right under 10 miles, and it's, it's fucking. How tough. much does it cost to do that? 129 bucks. 129 bucks, and you have to torture yourself for what, like five hours or so on average? I mean, if you're Chappelle or my brother, you have five hours. It took me like two and change. Oh, okay. But then, you know, the, like it was straight up dads there running with me and stuff like that. Like, that's my favorite thing. Wow. I love it. I was watching that and just thinking, like, would I ever do something like this? This just seems like way too much exercising. It, but you're not even thinking about it because you're like with, you're with your boys. Like, my boy Mark Harley does it with me all the time. And it's like, it's just a dope, like, bonding experience with the fans, your boys. It's like, yeah. you don't even think about, like, the, you know, the physicality of it at all. Yeah. It's, it's really dope, man. It's cool. You challenge yourself. It's something else to do. Yeah. It's just dope. I was watching it. it was, so, but you do it all over the place. So it's like a real business at this point? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're called Thick Mudders. Next one's April 9th. You they, never had that, like, an injury? Uh, like, people, people getting hurt there? No. Some of it looks a little risky. But. I mean, I'm sure when they sign the waivers, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, but, yeah, the electric shock is a bit of a beast. What? They have electricity and you're all wet. Like it fucks you up. It's my least favorite part. part. I was watching people jump into like blue water off of the It's freezing water, yeah. Like ice cold water. That's why it's blue. Is there like antifreeze in it? I don't know what the fuck. (laughs) It's the coldest water you've ever fucking felt. (laughs) Yeah, it's nuts. But I I, I love doing that, man. So it's stuff like that. And then I do meet and greets on tour. So, Mm. you know, it's just, I don't know, man. I love that shit. So, but in terms of like your whole podcast and business and everything, like now that you don't have the Showtime deal or whatever, does it still make sense? Like, are you still doing great in terms of all that stuff being independent or does making more money it's financially? More yeah, it's more. so the Showtime thing wasn't really that because it was at the time. This narrative that like this is this catastrophic thing for your career or whatever. Oh, they're so silly. No, <laughs> no, I turned down a five year deal with Showtime because I was like, oh, I'm going to invest in myself, hire my own staff and just do it all myself because mm. I went through the numbers I'm like, right now I'm splitting advertising with them three ways. Mm. From the production staff, Showtime, myself. If I can just figure this out, I get 100% of that. Like, yeah, maybe it's not going to do the numbers that I was doing for the last five years because we're at 400,000 subscribers. Mm. I'll start from the bottom, but 
at the end of the day, fans don't give a fuck whether I'm with Showtime, on Thick Boy, on UFC, whatever it is. They're, they they care about me. And they, they're following me. Like, you know, we've been, since January 1, I think we've gone up like 100,000 subscribers. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. it's like, they're going to fuck with you, man. Did you feel like that was where people were watching your shit was on YouTube anyway and not really on TV? Because 100%. I don't feel like my fans watch TV. Like, I feel like if I got a TV deal... That they would still it's just so be watching funny. me dude, on YouTube. <laughs> dude, I just got in this argument with my uh, agent manager the other day because I sold this show to this network. And uh, it's a show I've always wanted done. I sold the show to this network. And then they're like, all right, so here's the deal. So Monday through Thursday is going to be, you know, with, you're meeting with rioters and do all this stuff. Then Friday you're going to tape. And I was like, well, Monday through Thursday I have all my shit that I run, man. Right. And how much are they paying me per episode? And they tell me, I'm like, oh, you guys have no idea what animal you're dealing with. Like, I'll lose money if I do this, man. Also... On network TV, nobody's my fans aren't on there, dude. Right. My fan, they're on you. They want they want it now, dude. They want yeah. access to it now. Like this isn't gonna work for me, man. Right. And they couldn't believe it. Like you're gonna turn this down. Like yeah, man. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for me. But people in the TV business, that's all they know, huh? Yeah, they're it's a dying breed, man. Like with my, I, I shot a special in Dallas. I ain't talking about this. So I sold. So shot my special in Dallas. My team shot it. Shot the commercial for it. I put all the financing behind it. And then my idea was like, then we'll present it to different outlets and have them make an offer, create a bidding war. Mm. So we get all these offers. And then the more I'm just, with everything Rogan's going through and just all the, like, the culture right now and comedy and stuff like that, and I talk all this shit, it's like, and I'm waiting for this offer from Hollywood. Like, do you talk all this shit? Like, bank on yourself. Put it on your own network, dude. Mm. Put it on Thick Boy and see what happens. Like, that would be the move. Right. Like, that's where you can get the most traction. So that's what you're planning on? I think so. Mm. Yep, might just announce it now. I think so, yeah. Probably release it in March. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be attractive to uh, be building your own platform up like that. Because as soon as you can get, you know, YouTube money is nice, podcast money, like, you know, in terms of just ads, brand deals, whatever, that's nice. But as soon as you can figure out something that you're doing that your fans like the idea of enough that they'll give you like five bucks yes that like many of them will give you five bucks that's when you really start to like build a business for yourself agree that should be every content creator that's what you should basically be thinking in the back of your head is like how am i going to figure out something that thousands and thousands of people will be willing to give me five bucks for and then you're set yeah because if you can even figure out one thing and then you can kind of do it over Partly and over that, yep yeah yep yep now you figured it out man you're crushing it it's hits that's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you wanted to uh, talk about? Anything that we you should tell me, cover? my man? Or did I did I miss anything? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I kind of ran through. It. Oh, I, I want to mention this. There was a moment where I thought you were such an asshole. Oh no! Because I watched a clip of you and Bobby Lee, and he was telling the story about getting molested. Oh, we're laughing. You were laughing, and I didn't. <laughs> it was a bit. I, I, someone had to tell me that, yeah, and then I felt like a fucking asshole because yeah. I didn't get we're comics. That. But I was watching it, thinking that you actually were like oh, having no. a really that hard time not laughing at sense. him sharing this story with you. You got to watch it because if you watch the whole episode, my girl brought this up to I me felt so years ago. Stupid. Once I realized, yeah, it was a bit because what happened? He starts talking about this, and he was making a joke to begin with. And as he, because me and Brian Callen kept laughing, he'd restart the story. And every time I restart, <laughs> he it'd get worse, it worse. <laughs> worse and worse because he's trying to make us laugh. Yeah. So uh, out of context. It like, seemed really funny once someone explained dude, it to me. Dude, it's so funny. He, Bobby's the funniest person on earth. He's the most talented dude on earth. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I'm sure if you saw that clip with no context, you're like, what the fuck? This guy's opening himself up and you're laughing in his face. Yeah. When you realize that the entire show was that bit, if you just cut it up, you're fucked. But yeah. you realize he was purposely doing it to make us laugh. I always feel like I'm the one having to explain to something somebody that something that they thought was funny was fake. Yeah. You know? And yeah, for, was, so, for some yeah. reason, against my own insecurities, I remember I saw you, I think it was at Irwan in Calabasas. You were like, he's sitting down eating. I saw him like, oh, fuck, there's that. And I'm like, I should probably, because I like when people go up to me, especially if they're in the same space, like, you know, podcast, whatever, and they're successful. I'm like, oh, what's up, man? I fuck with you. Like, oh, what's up, dude? Like, because we share a common thing. But I'm going to be honest hustle. with you. I have no idea if I've ever been to Erewhon in Calabasas. I'm telling but you, it was maybe, you, dog. Maybe. I'm telling you, it was you. It's possible. I feel like I went to Calabasas like two times in my whole life, and one time was like four in the morning to hang out with a little pump. Maybe you were at No, Irwan. and then I went to Travis Barker's fucking... Travis, my guy. His 15-year-old kid's birthday. Travis Barker was like, yo, come to this party. Alabama? I show up. It's his, no, it's his, his son. His son. And then I realized, like, oh, shit, he just, like, invited me to a, his kid's party. He's the best. Party. You, you know Travis well? Yeah. Like, the best guy on earth. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's fucking salt of the earth. He's in that Kardashian world now. He is. But he's still a real one, you know? I just saw him yeah. the other day. He's a real one. No, yeah. He's the best. It's just kind, but of, it's I, I kind remember, of hilarious picturing him doing these things and like doing all this celebrity shit. Cause like, it's not him. Every time I've ever been around him, it felt like the most normal dude. Nor does ever, he yeah. give a fuck. Yeah, he's the most normal dude ever. I think that's yeah. why it works. Like, he can deal with that, doesn't give a fuck. Like, he's not doing it for the cloud or anything. Like, they've been friends for years. I love both of them. But yeah. I think, yeah, when I saw you, I was like, oh, I should probably say something. And I was like, oh, I don't think he likes me. And I, I don't know what the fuck, I have no idea where that thought came from. I'm like, ah, fuck it. I got my car. Then I was driving all through the night. I'm like, I should have fucking said something. I'm a wow. fan. Why wouldn't I say something? That's crazy. I know. Wow. I, I've are. probably done that to so many people too. Or like somebody will hit me up and I'll be like, oh my God, like I, follow, I followed this guy in 2016 and he never followed me back. And so I thought that he probably didn't like me. And then he just hits me up randomly and I'm like, oh, it's, that was all in my head. Yeah. Like they're not thinking about you. Dude. We're such pathetic, insecure fucks. Correct. And the fans the have no idea. They have no, no idea. They might not. <laughs> yeah. It's just what we signed up for, man. And for that's sure. why we're at where we're at. So you're on no cannabis? No, I don't fuck with any of that stuff. No, mm. no. I mean, nicotine. I'm a big whiskey guy. I'm right. my own whiskey. I, I'm a huge whiskey guy. Bourbon. Outside that, alcohol, nicotine. That's it, dude. If Tons you, of caffeine. If you have red meat on your only. podcast, I'm going to bring the lean. Oh, say less. Oh. See? That's what we're doing. We're using drugs to get ahead in life. Oh, I'm in, brother. All right. We mix it with Sprite or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm so in. Sick. Sick. <laughs> Brandon Shop. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Much love. Brandon Shop, No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, all that shit. Like, comment, and subscribe. Nojumper.com if you want to support. And shout out to our sponsor, Big Chief. Appreciate y'all.